Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. The week in football starts tonight with some ACC football. We've got the NFL game tonight, so it, it is, it is, it's tough getting through Tuesdays and Wednesdays now, but uh, Thursdays here, football's on the way, and so is this episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. It's uh, Baby Big Board Day, and uh, I got a receipt to cash in, so I'm feeling good about that. Okay. I'm ready, ready for that. Uh, but um, yeah, it's 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 happy Thursday. We got a good. We should have a good Thursday game tonight, right? Yeah, it's a uh, Vikings and Rams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's pretty two two pretty heavy hitters and. Uh, Minnesota's a bit of an identity crisis right now. No, what do you what do you want to be? How are you going to play your offense? Are you going to block anybody? They got a lot That's of questions to answer. Are you going to tackle the opposing quarterback? They don't yeah, know. Offensive right line's now. bad. It might be a fatal flaw, Kyle. Yeah. Well, Elfline's not back yet, is he? Yeah, I know he played. He didn't start against the Bills, but he played in that game. But Riley oh. Reef looks rough. Mike Rammers looks rough. It's not a good game. weird. Yeah. Uh, hey, so, Kyle, I've, I've been needing to ask you this. This is something okay. that's been in my back pocket for a couple of days now, and I just haven't gotten it out. I don't know why. Don't like this idea. Well, look, we, we've got to get some takes in here about this new Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Have you seen this thing? This no, monster? This is trash. <laughs> yeah, this, this monstrosity. Hey, listen, if Animal from the Muppets had a love child with Cousin It from the Adams family – that's exactly what this thing would be. Saw one that was a mix between Yukon Cornelius and the Abominable Snowman from Rudolph. That's not bad either. No, yeah, it, it's bad. And I'm thinking, did did the you know the 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 spiders and lizards did they did they get a hold of something there in Philadelphia <laughs> that that led to this monstrosity? Because I don't understand. You you've got to think. A lot of people had their hand in this pot. You know what I mean? This, there's some thresholds here. People pitched ideas. There was marketing meetings. This is no small decision to roll out a new mascot for, an, for a professional sports team, uh, an NHL team, not a minor league hockey or the NHL, the Philadelphia Flyers, and they roll out this thing? It's going to give kids nightmares. Well, I mean, you have to Im- imagine they wanted the Philadelphia fanatic vibe from the Phillies team. <laughs> and uh they i mean the body structure's the same he's just a little bit more nightmare on elm street and the face <laughs> and uh why they chose to go that way with the big googly eyes that just kind of roll around in his head and uh the big orange mustache but uh that's the way they went and you know it worked you know Good Morning America is talking about the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Flyers. We are. We as a football podcast are talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. 
So they they wanted something that was going to move the needle and get people talking, and they've done that, and that's that's part of marketing. But like, if I were a part of that organization, my next proposal would be center ice home opener, execute that some bitch, just <laughs> pretend to cut his head off at mid ice, do it like the the Vegas Golden Knights style where they have the big like medieval acting beforehand get somebody swinging a sword around and just cut his head off and let's never let people have to deal with him again because he's hideous i look he's ugly i look forward to seeing a picture of you with this thing because this is a realistic thing you you live in the philadelphia area you could go to a flyers game and get a picture with gritty the mascot i mean my brother-in-law is a diehard season ticket holder for the flyers Need it. You need to go to a game with them, and I need to see a picture with you and this monster. Uh, Baby okay. Big Board we'll style, shall we do. do this? What do we got? Baby What's Big it? Boards. Yeah. Give us the Top picture. five performances in the college football season, regardless of college or pro. So if you saw a guy and you said, that guy's a stud, that guy deserves some love, he went on the short list for Baby Big Boards today in which we recognize – the top five performers of the season thus far. And Joe, uh, I am going to cash in on my ability to lead this segment. And what I want to do is I want to talk about a rookie who plays running back. And this is a player, Joe, that you didn't like a whole lot. Come on, are you really? In 2018. I'm, of course, talking about Carryon Johnson. And Carryon Johnson is the first Detroit Lions running back to rush for 100 yards in a single game in 70 games for the Detroit Lions. That Herculean effort in its own right deserves to be recognized here on this show. And just as you kept Gritty, the Flyers mascot, in your back pocket all week, I've been carrying around the carry-on Johnson car just lying in wait so that I can get just a penny for your thoughts on carry-on Johnson being the first Detroit Lion to rush for 100 yards in a game since 2013. Dude, and I've seen this. I've seen other people say this on the timeline. I think carry-on looks better than he did at Auburn. He looks lighter, doesn't he? Yeah, he's moving He's moving at a different rate because I came away – I was at the Peach Bowl last year where they played Central Florida, and I was like, man, I, I don't know about this guy. I'm watching him, and maybe he was just worn down from the end of the season. He was battling some injuries there late, and I was like, I don't know if Carrion Johnson is more than a two-down potter in the NFL. And then I, I watched his tape. You know, I gave him the full overview, and I came away really impressed with a guy that was a bigger back that I thought had a lot of nuance to his style and a guy that didn't, didn't just like, you know, plow into his offensive lineman. Like he really had good field vision, but I, I didn't think he was very explosive. And there was a lot of reps. If you watch the Auburn tape last year, where he was getting chased down uh, from behind by linebackers and stuff. And it felt like as soon as he found space, he was looking behind him to get tackled. Well, he, I mean, he, he's really kind of had a body transformation. It appears, and he's moving at a different rate. And so you take a guy that's already powerful a guy that sees the field well and, 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 you know, find ways for him to be more elusive and agile, some more burst. I mean, he's really 
he's really looking good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have like a bad grade. I've, I evolved with him, you know, throughout the process, but I mean, um, you know, it looks sometimes I don't have enough foresight with prospects and I, that's something I got to work on. I didn't mean to come at it as a personal attack, man. I'm just giving you a hard time a little bit. Really. But I, no, I, I think, you know, I think, look, we've been doing this for a long time and there's a lot of people that do this at, at varying levels. And I think it's so important to learn and not make the same mistakes over and over again. I think when I think about the misses that I've had, they're probably guys like Deion Jones, guys like uh, Daniil Hunter, carry on Johnson. I think I had a day two grade on him. So I'm not sure that I was like super wrong on him, but you know, being able to, to see beyond right now and think, you know, in their optimal role, what they could be doing and, and how their skill set would translate, you know, trying to, trying to have more foresight and realizing that there is development. Yeah. It's something that, that I think I, I, everybody really needs to strive to, to do. And I, 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 again, I don't think I took a big loss here with Carrie and Johnson. I had a day two grade on Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. He looks good so far. Anyway, I have my number five here. You ready for this? Yeah, I am ready. I got a running back two here, Kyle. This is not a rookie. This is a second-year player. I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey and his 28 carries for 184 yards against Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. You know, big questions about him being a top-ten pick. And if he wasn't, uh, you know, just a third-down guy and a space player, and that he could truly be the focal point of an offense and carry a rushing uh, attack in the NFL. And he's, he's proving that this year. Last year was tough. I wrote about this for, for the draft network this week with, you know, Cam not practicing at all. And, and uh, you know, just how it was difficult for him to get acclimated to the offense because it was from, it was behind from the outside. He didn't even play in the preseason to Cam. And so there was, it was really a slow development, but now this year, uh, you know, this really looks night and day in terms of how he's being used in this offense and, um, you know, being able to be used in a variety of ways. Against Atlanta two weeks ago, he caught 14 passes. Against Cincinnati last week, he, caught, he carries the ball 28 times for 184 yards. And I think what's really impressive is think about this offensive line that he's running behind. 
Their starting offensive line on Sunday against the Bengals from left to right was Chris Clark, who's been on the team for like 10 days, Greg Van Roten, Ryan Khalil, Tyler Larson, and Taylor Moton. That is literally only one player that's in their preferred starting five going into the season. So for him to find that production against a really good Bengals defensive line, pounding it up you know, in between the tackles, showing the vision, showing the patience, making big plays, and carrying and shouldering that offense was really big time for me. I was really impressed. So one of the most impressive performances of the year for me. You know, Christian was on the top five, on the top five, and the longer we went, I put somebody in front of him. Right. And then I put somebody else in front of him. And then he ended up like seventh on my baby big board. But uh, McCaffrey certainly was a player for me that warranted a lot of consideration and, and an extremely impressive performance. Joe, my number four staying or coming to the college level for the first time in this segment, I'm talking about Cleveland Farrell against Texas A&M. Farrell against A&M was superb, very disruptive. Uh, he finished the game with three tackles for loss. I believe he had two sacks in this football game. And the manner in which he was winning, he was winning with speed, he was winning with power, he was winning with length. It was just a uh, clinic as far as from a prospect and an edge defender, the things that you want to see in the implementation of those things. And I was very, very pleased with Farrell uh, in a game in which Dexter Lawrence also shined. Um, they had the ability against a physical, big SEC front to beat them up up front. And Farrell, obviously, the questions are centered around, is he a speed guy? Is he a power guy? I don't think anybody's ever going to confuse him with uh, a 240-pound speed rusher. But you saw him win in so many different ways and I think in that game that I think that's going to be one of his resume games as far as his draft evaluation. Kyle at number four for me, Cleveland Farrell against Texas A&M. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not kidding. I, I have nowhere else to go with this. That was my number four. And um, uh, I had one on the back burner that I could, I could toss in here, but it's nope, not my true nope. number four. So he nope. that was my number four. Got to stay true to the board and trust the process, Joe. I am. Yeah. So you got that. Want to trust the process. There. Number three, it's another edge rusher. Is three an edge rusher for you? No, we're good here. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this one's from opening week. It's another college player. It's Brian Burns versus Virginia Tech. Burns against Virginia Tech. He only logged uh, one and a half sacks and two tackles for loss. I say only, but uh, he was all over the place. And this was the game in which I broke down his chop spin combo back inside and, and the layers of that play and just the traits that he put on display in this football game, the redirection skills, the flexibility, the short air quickness, acceleration, the precision with his hands. It was sublime. It was a really, really impressive game all around. And uh, Burns has had a nice start to the season much of that coming from the positive momentum that he generated for himself against the Hokies in week one. So not much went right for Florida State week one, but Brian Burns was one. That was a very eye-opening performance for him. Kyle, number three for me, 
I don't know if I'm going to say this guy's name. It's a college player, wide receiver from Colorado, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. Talking about that game against God. Nebraska, man. You know, it's got, the guy took over the game. It was one of those times where you watch a football game and it's it's unquestioned who the best player on the field is. And he finished with 10 catches for 177 yards and a touchdown. And, of course, his touchdown was that right there at the end. Uh, I think it was a 40-plus yard reception. Uh, to win the game for Colorado in a very dramatic fashion. And uh, I, I didn't think he could be stopped. I mean, he was winning at every level of the field. He was winning after the catch. He was stretching the, t- the things uh, vertically. And you, you just knew, you, you know, you've seen wide receivers take over games. That's exactly what he did. He was the best player on the field. He's not eligible this year. But I cannot wait to study him over next summer and get excited about him as a 2020 NFL draft prospect. Yeah, you're not kidding. Chenault, I mean, he's big, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- yeah. this is a... Um, Sammy Watkins, man. No, stop it. We're not going to talk about Sammy Watkins on today's show. We're having a not. good show. I bet not, because he's he's coming in on my... Uh, meeting my thresholds that we discussed. Is he? Is he projecting favorably? Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you right now. Sammy Watkins... Uh, his current projected – this is what his projected numbers are for this year. 75 receptions, 939 yards, and five touchdowns. So I'm a little off. He's a little yeah, off the off. pace in all three, but I like where we're at it. He's, he's increasing Too many mouths to feed in Kansas City. Nah, Mahomes is going to be just fine there, buddy. Listen, I'm going to win-win scenario because that's good for my fantasy squad. Uh-huh. Sammy's a flex on my fantasy. Yeah, so you can root for him and I'll root for myself to win at least two out of these three bets. Joe, my number two performer. This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I wanted to go with Justin Herbert, but I think there was a college performance that stood out even more that I just had to give recognition to. I'm talking, of course, about Hawaii quarterback Cole McDonald. Week one at Colorado State, 70% completion for 418 yards, three touchdowns, 96 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns in his first career start. And he went on the road and just scorched, earthed this football team. And uh, it was impressive. You know, they, they run this uh, run-and-shoot style offense, and I don't think he made a bad decision the entire game. And, and obviously, 
playing a run and shoot offense. You know, you can't get too excited, but I thought he had a really live arm. I thought he obviously is athletic. He can get out and run the football. Uh, so Cole McDonald, you know, the easy way out would have been to, to shouts Justin Herbert here with the second slot. But I opted to go with Cole McDonald because it was the first game of the season. They played it on August 25th. And sometimes that first love is the strongest. And that's the case with Cole McDonald's performance against Colorado State. I uh, I had a side note here that if you didn't mention that, that I was going to I was going to challenge you. But uh, you mentioned it. You put him right there at number two. So two. good for you. Second best performance I've seen so far this season. Why would you have challenged me if I didn't mention it? Because I just felt like you were going to. I, I just I would have been surprised if you didn't. I don't have to go down that road because you put him right there at number two. Probably All right, so, so me at number two, I'll pick the guy that you were just dogging on as number two. I'm going with Justin Herbert against Stanford. This game we go. just saw this past weekend, 26 of 33, 346 yards, a touchdown, and, of course, on the last play of the game and overtime, the interception. But um, you talk about a guy that just came out and was near flawless. Pinpoint accuracy to all levels of the field. He was decisive. And, um, you know, just uh, the big test for him on the schedule so far, got some buzz about him being a potential number one pick. And part of that being true is going out and delivering and acing big tests. And, uh, you know, look, he he friggin' aced this test against Stanford. We should have never been in overtime. And that interception should have never happened. But, um, you know, you talk about a guy that, just went out and did everything a quarterback could possibly do against the best defense he's faced this year. And the accuracy was just so impressive that he had to be my number two player. And I, and I wrestled that because we talked about this earlier today. And I said, Kyle, I think I'm going to discriminate against anybody who uh, impressed me, but their team didn't win. And um, I, I convinced myself that his performance against Stanford was good enough for me to overlook that it wasn't a losing effort. Well, you know, he said the interception shouldn't have happened and whatnot, but you know what they say, Joe. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I'll have a Merry Christmas regardless. There you go. Yeah, it's a good positive attitude. Uh, number one, Joe, I'm going to let you have it because we have to have the same player here, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. There is because only one acceptable answer. I thought there was three. No, there three. is not. Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. Is that it? Is that, yeah, that's all you're saying? That, I'm, I'm asking you what you have. I don't have him. And he's what are you one talking of about? What are you talking about? Look, Kyle, well, I... You just got done saying this was one of the great performances of all time. I agree with it. Then how is it not? It's not even in your top five. Okay, partly because I, when I first made my list, all five were quarterbacks. And so I said, I've got to have more variety here. So I didn't pick it. So, so you cut the it. best one. Gotcha. I, and I, I also had Baker against the Jets in there. And I, I said, look, you didn't even play the whole game. Couldn't put him in there. Neither one of those two made my list. So I have somebody else. Any guesses? Anything else come to mind? You no, know it's a quarterback. I'm, I'm disgusted with you. Go ahead. Well, look, and I and I look, I try not to be predictable. I think everybody knew coming into this segment as soon as it was announced, Joe's going to talk about Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. And I just, I look, I needed to have a tendency breaker. Are you ready for my answer? I don't think you are. Yeah, yeah. Josh, no. <laughs> my answer is Patrick Mahomes against the Steelers, twenty-three of twenty-eight, three hundred twenty-six yards and six touchdowns. I mean, this is a situation where. He was just making ridiculous throws 
like Patrick Mahomes does. But you think about the just the kind of how that game went about. They go up 21-0. Pittsburgh comes back, ties the thing up at 21 going into halftime. And then he goes toe-for-toe with Ben Roethlisberger in the second half of a game and outduels Ben six touchdowns. That's the best. That's the most impressive thing I've seen this year. And, and look, I, I know it's hard because I love the Aaron Rodgers thing. It speaks for itself. We've talked about it at length. Baker coming in and, and the magic that he had against the Jets, six touchdowns outdueling Big Ben in your third career start. Give me that one. That's what I'm going with. Here's the deal. That right. Pittsburgh defense is bad. No kidding. <laughs> so I think that waters that performance down a little bit, doesn't it? And the fact that Mahomes has done it to everybody. Well, he's started four games, so. Everybody that they've played, he has scorched earth them all. I mean, I'm not going to let it just not be impressive because it's common. It's, I mean, So you let other performances not be impressive because they play the same position as Patrick Mahomes. Through five incompletions and see it. More touchdown passes than incompletions. Aaron Rodgers played the whole half on one leg and came back from 20 nothing. Impressive as hell. We're done here. <laughs> this turned into more of Scout versus Scout than Wednesday. I'm going to bed angry tonight because of you. I hope you know that. You're really, you're really not going to. Yes, I am. I'm sorry. We're just going to end the show in silence with me protesting. Do I have to do the no, I was going to say thanks for, thanks for playing along. <laughs> thanks for listening to Draft Dudes, folks. Make sure you follow along with us. Hit that subscribe button. We'll be back tomorrow. You get a twofer from us tomorrow on Friday. We're on the TDN Super Show over on Locked On NFL Draft. And we're also having a short podcast here of our own on Friday. So you get double dip this week of the Draft Dudes on Friday. Something to look forward to. Follow and subscribe both Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at Brian of the Tate. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.